Design New Podcast, Episode 39. If you are stressed, stretched, and stuck, and ready to take your life to the next level, reach out to me for a free 30-minute strategy call to see what steps you can implement right now to design your best life. Email me at connect at tinamurray.com and let's create your own unique blueprint to lay the foundations for that life that you really want. Are you ready to create the life you really want? Welcome to the Design You Podcast, where I talk to everyday people who know life can be done differently with a clear mindset, positive attitude, openness to growth, and their willingness to take life to the next level. Get ready to design you. Hi guys, Tina Murray here. Today I'm welcoming to the drawing board Huda Ayaz. Huda is a 14-year-old published author from New York. She wrote her first novel, Friesland, A New Beginning, when she was nine years old. And she continued the series with Friesland, Good or Evil, when she was 10, Friesland, Marolta Confusion, when she was 11, and her fourth and final novel in that series, Friesland, A New World, she wrote when she was 12. Her recently released fifth novel, Angie Moon and the Legends, The Speedster, she wrote at 13. And now that she is 14, she is working on her sixth book. Her sisters are also published authors in their teens. Join me as I chat with Huda about what books and life have to teach us. Hi, Huda. Welcome to the Design You podcast. How are you today? I'm great. How are you, Tina? Yeah, really well. Thank you. So you were 14 years old and you were onto your sixth book. You're about to publish. You're partway through writing. Why write books? Um, Growing up, this has always been my passion. Reading, (laughs) writing, English in general has always been my favorite subject in school. Ever since I was young, I would read books like um, Judy B. Jones. And my first big book was Heidi by Joanna Spires. Mm -hmm. Ever since then, I fostered a love for writing and reading. And my dad himself is also a writer and reader. So he was one of my biggest inspirations to start writing myself as well. Yeah, and your books have... They're fantasy books. They, you know, you you really like the fantasy. But tell me, how do you develop those characters, and how do you come up with what you're going to write? Does it take a long time? For usually, it starts off different for every single idea I have. Mm-hmm. So for my first few books, um, it started off with a dream I had about going to a winter wonderland where there were fairies and clouds I could speak. And I used that as a basis for my first book, Friesland, A New Beginning. Mm-hmm. And everything just started from there. I created the characters through um, an idea of someone who loves snow and winter, like I do as well. Mm-hmm. And there's morals in the stories. There's things behind them. It's not just a, you know, good versus evil. There's more than that. How? Tell us more about the themes behind your stories, what you're trying to let us know. So in the Friesland series, which are the first four books that I published, Mm -hmm. the main theme is that whatever you think can affect your environment. Wow. If you think positively, then your entire entire environment will be positive. If you think negatively, then your environment will be negative. Mm -hmm. And for the fifth book, Angie Moon and the Legends, the Speedster that came out recently, um, the main lesson of that is whether you have powers or not, you have to overcome obstacles in your life. Mm. Okay, so your first book, how old were you when you, that was published? I wrote my first book when I was nine years old. 
Okay. So how did you know those lessons at nine years old? Oh, my dad, he doesn't like, usually you see parents who baby kids, but my, my parents talk to me as if I was an adult as well. Mm-hmm. So they taught me stories. They gave me all these lessons. So I already had a lot of um, these thoughts in my head before I started writing. Yeah. Wow. Because, you know, that, especially your last book, which is about, you know, the influence that number one, we have on our environment, but also about the fact that there are challenges in life. Yeah. I know a lot of people my age, I'm about to turn 50. A lot of people I know don't get that. <laughs> so how thankful are you to your parents for bringing you up in that way where you feel that you are exposed to these ideas? Well, I'm so honestly, there's, there's a bad side to knowing everything <laughs> by your teenage years and there's a good side to it too. The bad side is that you can't enjoy things or you can't, like people will see things one way, but you'll be looking at every single other side yeah. and know that there's bad to everything else as well. But the good thing to it is that you can prevent yourself from getting into those bad situations that you see everyone else getting into. Mm. So do you feel like you're an observer of life, that you're someone who sits back and watches people or you throw one in there? Like how, how do you see yourself when you're looking at how people behave? I do see myself as an observer. Even um, I had a, a writing teacher who said herself to us that um, a lot of the time writers are observers. They look at the world mm. and this tiny thoughts are what spark their um, imagination and create books and ideas. Mm. But the thing, a lot of us have lots of ideas. You said your first book started from a dream that you had. Yeah. I'm sure every night there's people out there who have these dream ideas and things that they don't actually put them into practice. Why do you feel that you've taken that action? I mean, I, I understand there's passion behind it. You've said that, but there must be more than just the passion. So you're asking why do I put my dreams and ideas into actual writing form? Yeah. It's because um, I started writing off my dreams inside notebooks. Mm-hmm. So as, the, as that happened, when I wrote this one down about the snow and wonderland, because this was something as a nine-year-old, especially winter and fantasy and fiction, these were very interesting topics to me. Mm-hmm. So I started adding on to the dream and it ended up becoming a novel. Wow. Okay. And as you're developing these ideas, do you find as you've got older, your ideas have developed more that there's more in the books or how do you feel about the evolution of your book series? Definitely. I feel like in the beginning, I didn't um, realize how every single character has an important part. Mm. So in the beginning, in, so in my first few books, you'll see there's only one or two characters who you actually see depth in. Mm-hmm. But in now, recently, I'm, I started to read um, more types of books, science fiction, um, and recently I started reading nonfiction and classics, stuff like that, too. Mm-hmm. So with them, I realized that every single person is different and they have their own layers to them. And mm-hmm. those are important to mention in books, too. Absolutely. And I mean, that's true in life. If we're just observing people, it's understanding that we are all different. There are different layers to us and it means we react certain ways. And a lot of the themes I understand in your books are about good and evil. And it's not that simple, is it? Because no one's completely evil. No one's completely good. There's a combination of those layers in us all, isn't there? Yeah. In in the fourth book, especially this, um, the fact that there can be good and evil as well is shown. I don't want to spoil it, so we'll see anything else. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) 
So one of the questions I always ask my um, people I speak with is where do they see themselves in 50 years? In 50 years, I would be 64. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'd see myself as um, a mom, someone successful in whatever I decide to do because mm-hmm. I don't know what it is yet. Yes. But I know that I'm going to continue writing. Yeah. So. If I continue writing one book every year, maybe I'll have six, what's math, 69 books. <laughs> no pressure. It's all right. You don't have to do it. Yeah, I know. It's quality over quantity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you're looking into where your future is, like I love that you said that you don't know what it is that you want to do right now mm-hmm. because yeah, I feel a lot of us get pressured into doing things. And if you've already started writing these books, I'm sure there's some pressure from people saying, oh, so you're obviously going to be a writer. And what I think I'm hearing from you is writing might be a side thing for you and you still love it and it's a hobby, but you're, you really want to perhaps contribute in other ways to the world too. But I don't want to put words in your mouth. <laughs> well, honestly, I'm not sure whether I want to um, major in writing because there are a lot of other things I'm interested in. Right now, I'm still 14, so yep. there are a lot of things I have to explore and um, many subjects I don't know about yet. Yep. So in the future, I'll find out yeah. <laughs> what's best for me, hopefully. And that's the thing. It's about exploring. And when you're looking at your ideas with your books, I mean, you've talked about a lot of the books that you're starting to read now, which are expanding your ideas about how we put together characters in a book. But what about films and things like that, which really bring visually them to life? Is that something that you use as a medium to get some ideas? Honestly, um, I can't sit through a movie much. <laughs> there, like, It has to be a very good movie for me to really enjoy it. But there was... Oh, one one movie I watched recently, Wonderstruck, mm-hmm. and it's basically about a movie about these two blind children and how their lives correlate. And it, it's basically it's very limited dialogue, mm-hmm. and just the visuals were incredible. And it really, um, I think that help, will help me in my descriptions and stuff because I, admittedly, I'm not that's not one of my strong points. But seeing how they were able to take out such an important part of what we think movies, books, everything is, mm-hmm. um, the actual speaking and dialogue and mm-hmm. making it all about the pictures and what you could see was very interesting. Mm. And it's interesting because some of my background is I, I'm a speaker and a big part of that is actually showing people the story. So mm-hmm. even though we're saying it like you are in a book, I need to be able to paint the picture for them. I don't just say I walked into a room. If it's important for what I need to get people to understand, it's important for me to explain what that room looks like and what the feeling of it is and how it made me react so that they come on my journey. And it's not um, dissimilar in a book. Yeah, sometimes it's difficult to um, not say, and I walked into a room, it had white walls and a brown (laughs) table. You have to, it's like with reading more books, that are like with with a lot more description, you realize that writers use such small things that Mm -hmm. alter the entire quality of what they write. Yeah, absolutely. And I assume that you're highly attuned to picking that out now when you're reading a book, you're not just reading it for the joy of it. You've, unfortunately and fortunately probably I managed to see some of the techniques which are used which sometimes might take away from the story because you're going oh wow I see what they did there 
Yeah. Sometimes I have to end up, I end up rereading paragraphs just because they wrote it so I can see everything in my head and I'm saying, wait, how did they do that? Mm. So, yeah. So do you find that means it's a lot longer for you to read a book now because you're going back and going, oh, okay, that's how they did it. So you're yeah, analyzing it. It does take me a lot longer now. I used to be able to read a book in like a few hours and finish a 300-page book in a few hours. But now it's like one day and I have to take care and I have to look at every single detail mm. and figure out how I can, um, how it might affect my writing as well. Yeah. And are you, do you feel like you're a perfectionist in your writing? Like when do you let go of the book? When's it good enough that you can pass it on to get published? Yeah, I'm, I'm very like... Usually, um, many writers, they just write as they go. And if um, they make mistakes or like the commas aren't perfect or M dashes aren't there, then they'll just skip over and work on it later. But the way I work is that it has to be perfect, double space, Times New Roman. The commas have to be exactly where they're supposed to be. And then in the end, when I'm reviewing it, look at every single line and make sure it's perfect before I send to any editor. Yeah. And then when, I mean, a big part of, I've come from a creative background, a big part of what we do is we're putting part of ourselves out there. We're opening ourselves up to being ridiculed, people not liking what we do. You know, not everyone's going to like what we do. And and that's something we have to be okay with. How do you find that in this process? Um, People's reactions? Yeah. Okay. So when I first started writing, I would go to school and I'd tell my friends and teachers, oh, I'm writing a book. And at first, no one believed me. <laughs> and honestly, the only people who actually had faith in me doing this to the end were my, my family. Wow. So, yeah. So with their, when, I, when my book finally came out and I showed it to my entire class, they, then that hushed up to everyone. <laughs> I sh- when we showed it to the principal, the principal was like, wow, I didn't think she would actually write it like she said she was going to. Mm. So that was, um, I think, just those small moments where you realize that your work pays off. It masks all the moments when people don't believe in you or stuff mm. like that. Mm. And your last book is about the community and how people can band together and what they can do together. So do you feel part of those experiences have been been able to shape that and give you more depth for that? Um, What do you mean? Well, from what I understand of your last book, it's about, yes, challenges, but it's also about you don't just overcome challenges necessarily on your own. Like you just said, your family has been the ones who believed in you. And, and we need that. We, even if you're a really strong person, we do need yeah. other people to, to believe in us and come on the journey with us. So I can only imagine that some of those experiences have started to shape how you've, you're using that in your books. Yeah. Um, because I've also, as I've grown older, I've begun to observe people more, like we said before. Yeah. And with that, I realized that no one can ever do anything themselves. And you always need someone to be there because I'm. I'll admit that I'm very um, independent in what I do, and I'm usually very shy away from showing people my work. So I feel like that has that I've realized that um, sometimes you need people to. You're not sometimes you need people to look at it, mm. and you need people's help. You can never do anything alone. Yeah, and it, it adds depth to it because it's someone else's opinion, whether it is necessarily the right one for what you need at the moment but with something like a creative thing someone else's idea may be just that little bit extra that makes you think slightly differently which could 
you know, bring out more in what you're doing or whatever. And I suppose that's part of the beauty of having a good editor that you trust. Yeah. I usually get my book edited a lot of times because I want it to be as best as it can. <laughs> Is that with the same editor or do you use different people for different parts of it? Um, I sent, So first when I read my books, I edited it myself and then I show it to my older sister who edits it. And after that, I send it to um, one editor. Then I'll send. Then I'll look over it, edit it myself. Send it to another editor, look over it, edit it myself, and then send it to the publishing company. And then they'll have their editors look over my book, and then it'll get published. <laughs> so for a perfectionist, that's making you feel like it's probably pretty good by the time it's gone out there. Yeah, it's when you when I started writing, I never expected that there was so much involved in publishing mm. a book. Because I was assigned then. I thought you just read the book and maybe printed out the printer at home. No, there was so much to it. <laughs> so how long does it normally take from the moment you've, I mean, I, I imagine every book's different, but how long has it usually taken for you to, to write it and then to get the, be it the book opening, the book launch? So my first book, it took three months to write it and then the rest of the year to get it published. Okay. And for the following books, the way I worked on them was that once I sent one book, my first book into um, editing, then I'd have, then I have no nothing to do in my usually writing time. Mm-hmm. So I start getting working on the second book. Okay. By the time, then by the time um, the first book's published, I had uh, most of the second book done in all of the free time, and then I could finish it up in a few months and then send it in, and then third book. And it keeps going on like that. Okay. All right. So this is obviously a a major hobby for you. Yeah. Uh, What else do you do? What else do you do in your life? Uh, Don't watch. uh, I don't watch many movies, but I'm addicted to YouTube. (laughs) I'm addicted to YouTube. Yeah. Um, Mindlessly scroll through it, watch your videos if I'm not writing or doing my homework or going to school. Mm. And your sister's also published and you said your dad's published yeah. as well. So how how does that all work? Is there competition or does that mean you, you, you said that they're very supportive of you? Yeah, they're very supportive. But um, if, okay, so a lot of this happens. So a lot of our ideas are based on real life as well, right? Sure. So there'll be scenes that happen to us and we'll say, okay, I'm going to put in this book. <laughs> so then what ends up happening is we'll be talking, something happens. And me and my sisters will all at the same time say, this is going to be my book. And then we'll fight over who, who's going to have it. That's something that happens a lot. <laughs> so how, how do you negotiate which one of you wins that particular bit of the book? Whoever does it first. <laughs> well, that'll keep you writing. <laughs> <laughs> and are you thinking of developing more themes? Is this book that, you, that you've just caught? got coming out or sorry that's just come out is that going to be its own developmental thing like what happened with Friesland where you've got a series of books is that the way you're looking at that um so right now Angie Wind Legends mm-hmm. the speech show is published in October so the one I'm working on right now is the sequel to that mm-hmm. and I think it'll be the conclusion because a lot of what I write is influenced by what I read and at the time that I started writing Angie Wind Legends in Friesland I was I was very I read just series all the time. So um now I've started reading books that aren't in series books that are by themselves and I realized that those can also be fun to write and read. 
So I'm, s- I'm looking forward to writing books that aren't in series after I'm finished with the sequel. Mm. And, it gives, and it gives you an opportunity to be able to explore what you want to explore yeah. too. It gives you something, something else to go off on. I love it. So if you were going to, you know, I always ask my guests if there's something that they would like to leave with the design new community, what is it that you would give as a message to people about how to live their best lives? Um, I'd say don't let anyone or anything stop you in what you want to achieve in your goals. For me, my age might have seemed like something uh, impossible to overcome because a writer can't be can't be in their <laughs> teens and nine it can't be nine mm-hmm. but to overcome that and to look past what people are saying and what you know you're capable of mm-hmm. is important yeah and uh, in the past women weren't meant to write books women used to write books under a pseudonym just to to get it passed so it shows if it's in you and you want to do it doesn't matter what barriers are up there you'll find a way to be able to express yourself, which is what you've done. And tell us how we can get in touch with you. Um, I have, you can, I'm on um, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Huda, H-U-D-A underscore A-Y-A-Z-A-S. Beautiful. And so what does, what do your normal days look like when you, you go to school? Yeah, I go to school. So um, uh, I'll wake up at, Six o'clock, get on the bus at seven twelve, and go to school, and come back by two forty-five ish, mm-hmm. and then I'll mindlessly go through YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll do my homework, and after that, once I have a few more hours left, I'll work on my book, um, things like that, until I go to sleep. Mm. So is working on your book a discipline that you do every day? Like some writers will say, I've got to write a thousand words today, no matter what, or is it something that you take up when you have the time or the energy or the inspiration? I don't usually put up, um, like I know writers who say I have to do 2000 words today, every single day. But the way I work is that, um, once I'm done everything that goes first, my schoolwork and stuff like that, then I'll work on my book mm-hmm. and I'll try. And usually I aim for 1000 words every day. And what happens on the days you don't do it? If you're a perfectionist, do you get angry at yourself? <laughs> no, I understand that there are other um, things that are supposed to be prioritized over my books, even because in the end, my schoolwork is the most important. Mm. Yeah. Nice one. Now, is there anything else you'd like to let us know about? Well, let me talk a little bit about my siblings and what they're doing. Absolutely. So my younger sister, Maliha Ayaz, she published her fit, uh, her first book, The Heart of Time, when she was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And my elder sister, Sadaf Ayaz, she published her Crossing Red Lights when she was in ninth grade. She's also the CEO and founder of Rev21 Media, which is a media company for a platform to give a platform for the youth to have their voices heard and to share their ideas on what's happening around the world. So I'm a writer for Rev21 as well. 
And so is that just writing or does Ref21 do it in other ways? Like is there YouTube and other ways of getting that out? Yeah, they do. Um, they have like, they have writing, they write articles, but then we also um, make videos and series like that. Like recently it was Black History Month. So we had videos on um, that. Okay. And so they're themes each month or it just, it depends? It depends, yeah. Okay. And what sort of, are you finding that having a voice is really what people your age are looking for? What's the, I mean, obviously she's making a business out of it, so there's a need. Are you finding it's it's something that all kids want to be heard or what's the themes that are coming out through it? I think that um, a lot of the time you see yourself and people betrayed with adults when there's really a side to it that you know that isn't being heard. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important for, um, and it's important and beneficial that Rev 21 is giving a voice to people who have things to say. Because when you go on the internet, you'll see on social media, teenagers talking about the events that are happening today. Mm-hmm. And they actually know about what's happening and speak about it professionally. And I th- think that, social media might get them, uh, does get them somewhere and it does get their voices heard, but obviously they deserve a professional like um, mm. platform to express their thoughts as well. So. Yes. So is there in that, is there some guidance with that, especially to be able to get people who've got a really good message to be able to perhaps coach them to be able to get more, more of their message heard? Yeah, definitely. Because um, my older sister, Sadaf, she's a writer as well, right? Mm-hmm. So she um, edits the work of the people who write and gives them advice on improving it. And yeah. So I think we, we do help in um, improving the quality of their work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really important that, um, you know, we all understand that youth are going to be the parents of the future and you know yeah. that there is a voice that needs to be heard that um you, you do know stuff and it needs to be to be recognized so I love that it's great that she's seen the need to, to and yes. found a way to do it it's brilliant well thank you so much for your time today I've really appreciated it thank you for inviting me to speak and sign your podcast my pleasure. I look forward to seeing more of your work and we'll be interested to see where, where you decide to take your life. And as you said, you're 14, there's actually no pressure. Do what you need. <laughs> but, you, but you are anyway. You don't need my advice for that. <laughs> no, I, no, any advice is helpful. A huge shout out to you for being here, for listening in and being ready to step up to the drawing board. I honour your spirit and your openness to growth. If you have a mate who you think will benefit from hearing today's message, please share this episode with them. Another great way you can support us is to subscribe or to leave a five-star review in iTunes. These reviews really do assist us to raise the visibility of the Design You podcast and helps us to reach Design Yours from all walks of life. I really do appreciate the time it takes for you to do that. So thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Design You podcast. You'll find the show notes over at tinamurray.com. Can't wait to see what you create as you design it, communicate it, and live it.